Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. When Nicole Emmerich was a recent college grad, she kept hearing the same thing from women all around her. Is this really it? So like many other ambitious yet unsatisfied young women, she started a blog without knowing anything about blogging. Nicole's former blog, Miss Career Girl, existed to help young professional women find out who they are and what they want and how to get there. As her blog's community grew, brand partnerships followed, and Nicole realized that her social media would forever change business at large. Five years later, Nicole had a whole new career and sold her blog. Today, Nicole is VP, Director of Social Media and Influencer Marketing at global advertising agency FCB Chicago, with a lifelong interest in personal development, experience coaching hundreds of emerging leaders and insights from working with the world's biggest brands and influencers. Nicole's mission is to help more professionals live a hashtag fulfilled life. Hey guys, before we jump into this episode, are you a member of our private Facebook community? If not, you've got to join today. Seriously, it's like the most incredible, one of the most incredible parts of WIM. Um, People love this podcast. People love our newsletter. People love our events. But our WIM Facebook community is such a great space on a daily basis to have a pulse of the industry. Um, It's super active. You'll meet other incredible women who are in the industry just like you. PR folks, ad agency people, brands direct, uh, platforms, talent managers and agents, the list goes on and on. Go to facebook.com slash group slash whim industry, request to join. We will approve you as soon as you answer those first three questions that pop up. Tell your colleagues, get them in too. You won't regret it. Now let's get into the episode. One thing that I love about um, your path and about you in particular is that you are representing Chicago. Now, we had a WIM event at your offices, actually, just about a year ago from today. Um, We had such a good turnout. The major takeaway that I went home with from that event was Chicago is not to be underestimated. There is a lot of influencer work out there. So what is it like being in Chicago? What's the vibe in the influencer space there? I am a huge Chicago fan, but I will admit I went through a period where I thought, oh my gosh, should I be on the coast? Like, should I be in LA? Should I be in New York? And after a while of traveling to the coast a lot, I'm really proud to be a Chicagoan and to 
grow the industry here. I think Chicago has such a cool sort of grit to it. And the Midwestern vibe, you, you meet a lot of nice, hardworking people. And as someone who's recruiting influencers for programs all the time, I have to say sometimes people seem kind of all the same, especially, you know, that LA crew for me can seem really the same. So I'm excited to be a pioneer in influencer marketing here in Chicago. I think we have a lot of potential. Chicago's the birthplace of some of the biggest, most legendary ad agencies in the world. So there's no doubt that, you know, we're serving brands all over the world here in Chicago. Um, influencer marketing is an awesome, you know, next step to take that modern media, you know, into the next chapter. Yeah, a hundred percent. And your office, FCB, the agency that you're with, um, you guys are a global agency. So you have offices all over the world, right? Absolutely. Yep. Chicago's our, um, I think our biggest office, but yes, we are absolutely all over the world. Part of the IPG network. Definitely. And so I love when, you know, we really see some like giant companies, whether it's an agency or, you know, what have you, when those companies who have been around for so long doing what they've been doing, having their own success, but they are listening to what's out there and they're not too big, um, but they're also smart enough to recognize that sometimes you just need to, you need to shift, you need to change with the times. And so, you know, what is it like being in an office that has been around for so long, has certainly had so many successes over decades, I'm sure, but being in a somewhat new department, like what is, what's the reception in the office? Does everybody understand what you guys are doing? What is it like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I came to FCB about five years ago, and I was brought in to grow the social media team, which existed in some form, um, but everyone was just trying to figure out, everyone not just at FCB, in the industry, was trying to figure out what exactly do we do with social, or clients are asking for it, how do we really scale this, how do we really show business results, Um, The team's evolved and grown a lot in the last five years. And about two and a half years ago, we introduced the influencer practice. I think that influencer marketing is the oldest form of marketing, right? I mean, think back to cavemen sitting around a fire, passing down stories. At the end of the day, influencer marketing is just trusted stories. Yeah, that's for sure what I thought. Just making sure. Have you ever visited any any of the other offices outside of Chicago? Um, I have, I'm trying to think, I don't think I have actually, now that I'm saying this, I've met a lot of people who come to Chicago cause I think we're really the biggest office. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times the executives will come in to hear about social and influencer from me, but now that I think of it, no, I've never been, but I have a feeling it's in my near future. Um, cause we're the first team doing this in, in the network, actually really a formal influencer team process, you know, point of view, the whole thing. Yeah. And I can imagine some of the other offices like would definitely have like the brands that they're working with would definitely have a need to be working with influencers. So is it all just mainly going out of your office? Like even if it's, you know, maybe business based out of other offices, just because you guys have the expertise in influencer work? You know, I've done some consulting at the various offices and helped them think about different projects or send talent over, um, we use Creator IQ, so being able to send a little more data behind them. 
I've mm -hmm. partnered with many different offices around the world to do that. But as far as executing, we have not done it for them. We totally could, but we haven't yet. Got it. What are your thoughts on Creator IQ? Just curious. You know, we're very new to it. Okay. We actually had Hyper before, and we're actually in the onboarding process now. So I've used it to do a lot, you know, to build lists and search. Mm -hmm. um, I hope to God that it helps make the execution piece easier and get all of us off of email more. Mm-hmm. Because sure. so many things get lost. And I'm sure on your end, too, there's just too many projects happening at once. Yeah. Oh, uh -huh. details. so yeah. like everything in one place from the brief to the contract and then something more long term. We're getting to a point now where we're on year two or three with a few different brands and like having everything in one place with the history of who we worked with, how it performed, all of that. Like that's my hope for it. Yeah. But because we're still in the onboarding phase and really in the pretty early stages. Yeah. Um, I can't I haven't executed a full campaign there. I've done a lot of identification there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we had hyper before and it just wasn't keeping up with what we needed. We needed a CRM tool. We needed a workflow management tool. Um, so we needed authentication with the data mm -hmm. protection and, you know, hyper wasn't offering that. So we really hope it's a good thing. What do you guys use? So we have used creator IQ now for probably a little over a year, but any platform like how do I say this best? There is no one solution no, um, in a platform at all whatsoever. I remember when I first started Bold Streak, I was like, all right, that's my goal. I'm going to take all right. these demo calls. I'm going to speak to every single company yeah. and we are just going to nail this and find the best company. And it just doesn't exist. So we use Creator IQ for really specific things, but um, I'm like a little bit of a tech geek. So I, we created our own software um, oh, wow. in which we like actually manage all the campaigns. Nice. Um, so like if you've ever done a partnership with us, like it's email based because nobody externally is going to want to log into, you know, into anything like they just want right. to see it because um, our use case is so specific being a management right. company. But ironically enough, someone from, I guess I shouldn't say her agency, but someone from another agency, um, we were chatting about it and she's like, oh my God, can I could take like a, would you like show me around your software? And I was yeah. like, yeah, sure. Like, am I in a position to license my software? I, I've never done such a thing. I can only imagine it's such a huge undertaking, but no, I, girl, I don't think so. I think you've got your lawyers on staff. I do not think it would be, I think that'd be such an easier way to make money too. do. Like I would do what you're doing now and do that. I'd be interested in that. I'd be interested in white labeling your software. That's I think everyone on my side would. Wow. Wow. I mean, actually popular pays. Yeah. Told them the same thing. And I was like, you guys, like, your tool is great, but what you need to do is license your software because we need that even more than we need, like, access to your talent. We need, sure. we need to organize ourselves. Yep, yep. So, I don't know. I think it could be a really good revenue model for you. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it a while back, like, always want to focus. There's so many things, so many directions oh, you can always true. go in. But I don't know. It's it's always it's been like pseudo a passion project, but because I just really enjoy working with our developers and stuff. But also just you know a way to like distinguish ourselves. 
I, I think that it could be really, it'll be really eye opening after I think it's like next week when I'm like walking her through the software just to see, because our use case is so particular that I wonder beyond a management company, like how useful could this be for an agency or a brand or something like that? So, um, Hey, if it goes well, I will definitely keep you posted. So, you know, at such a, a, an accomplished agency, you know, they they have, I'm sure, so many different departments and people of, you know, so many different levels there who've been there for such a long time, having so much experience. Um, but you're, you know, probably in a department that's a little bit newer, a little fresh, really exciting, and some with some really promising, great people. So what's the vibe there like? You know, how are, do people really understand what you're doing? Are people really excited about that department? How is the reception to it? What's it like? I think people definitely are excited about it and responsive to it. At first, you know, when we first started the practice over two years ago, I think the biggest barrier was just overcoming a bit of fear of, you know, we're a, we're a traditionally traditional creative ad agency. So our creative team is used to having full control over everything that's created. And what's really different about influencer marketing is you've got to give up some of that control. And you've really got to give up some of that control if you want the work to be really great, really authentic, really powerful. You know, influencers have the kind of trust that most brands will never have. And influencers have the kind of content that most brands will never create. Now we're seeing more exceptions to that, right? With brands pushing the envelope, um, whether it be through diversity or attaching themselves to social good. But at the end of the day, many large brands, especially, they've got lawyers and they've got you know restrictions and realities that they have to deal with. So that that authenticity that an influencer can provide and that trust that an influencer can provide. You also need bravery on the end of the brand and the creative team to just let an influencer be themselves and do what they've been doing so well. And I think that's the hardest thing for big agencies to overcome. I think we're doing it really well here. We've got a a nice partnership with the creative teams and and the clients. But I would also say that, and I, I tell clients this at times, influencer marketing is not for every brand and it absolutely does not solve every problem. No, I, think, I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. dig into that, please, because that's great. I, I, you know, anytime someone calls me into an opportunity, you know, usually at the agency, we work with lots of, you know, brands like Clorox and Kimberly Clark and Anheuser-Busch, um, GE Appliances, Allergan. So these brands are large and they own many, you know, cool um, leading brands. And when someone calls me into that, I'm always thinking about what is the business problem? What is, can I solve that business problem or not? I think social is to a point where we can, we can solve a lot of business problems in social. I think influencer is still emerging and I don't believe we can solve every business problem with influencer marketing. So if I can't solve a business problem for them, then I respectfully tell them that. If they are a brand who really, really craves that creative control, I tell them that this might not be them for them either. Um, there's and there's a couple things in that. So yeah. one is, you know, I I you know it's so interesting on this podcast and like 
just elsewhere in the industry, like whim events, in the Facebook group, a lot of people I feel like are always pushing for the influencers to have more of a say in the partnership because the default, which makes sense, is the brand's messaging because, in a, you know, in those instances, I mean, they're the one paying. They're the ones with the pocketbooks. Um, so, you know, those are going to be the people who, you know, their their influence is going to get out there a little bit more. Um, you know, influencers, they feel like, you know, they want more of a voice and more of um, more of their uh, creativity to be able to come through and more decision-making power. Um, I actually think, and I wonder if this is what you're alluding to too, so let me know. I mean, what I think is that the magic really happens when there's a true partnership there, yes. you know, when it's really like the influencer bringing all their creativity, all their authenticity and every, all of their best parts of themselves. But also, you know, when the brand is, is also bringing a ton to the table too, what are your thoughts on that? We, one of the first things that I would tell any new client that I'm working with is that we see influencers as partners, not promoters. So in my world where most big brands have a PR agency, a creative agency, and a media agency, I remind them that each of those three agencies has a different job. And so if you were to do influencer marketing at, at one of those agencies, each would give you a different vision of success. So for example, a PR agency who is very capable of doing influencer, and we actually love partnering with PR firms, I think they're fabulous at celebrity partnerships, spokespeople. Um, anytime you want somebody to go and do uh, a round of press interviews, events, some of that type of work where you really want the, the media to pick this person up, that's an awesome, awesome way to work with a PR firm in influencer marketing. When you're looking at the media side, obviously there's tons of vendors out there, some better than others. Um, their main objective is to get eyeballs on the content. And at the end of the day, impressions are king for a media agency. So for a creative agency, we're trying to figure out how can we pair purposeful human beings with purposeful brands? Every brand has a purpose. Every influencer typically has a purpose if they're successful. It's, you know, living that purpose, communicating about that purpose over time, that's what makes them an influencer. That's what makes them successful. So we think of it as creative partners. And our objective is trying to really humanize a brand's purpose through a real living human being and person. That being said, I think there's one piece of influencer marketing that all three types of agencies aren't really capitalizing on yet. And I'm really excited to move some of our clients more in this direction. I think the superpower, sort of untapped superpower of influencers is that every single day they've got access to this audience that marketers could only dream of and brands could only dream of. Again, they have that trust that the brands won't have and they have access that brands don't have. So I would like to work with influencers more upstream in gathering insights from them asking them to review the brand's products, asking them to review the brand's creative campaigns before they even get an assignment brief of, okay, do a YouTube video for us, do some Instagram posts. I think it is so much bigger than that. I think influencers should be way at the beginning when we're thinking about what business problem are we trying to solve? We should be asking the influencers to weigh in on that too, not just the agencies. 100%. And, you know, the thing is, is that 
everybody really, I mean, you know, I feel like in, a, in so many instances, influencer marketing is, you know, a relatively new thing. People think of it as like, you know, younger generations are, you know, the ones who are most involved. But let's not discount, you know, the years of experience of, you know, whether it's ad executives or the brands themselves, the people involved. And there's so much to be learned by that. And there's so much also to be learned by, you know, fresh perspectives, especially if they're marketing towards some of these younger demographics. So, you know, I love what you were saying earlier, which is, you know, it's not even for everybody. But I feel like that, even just saying that out loud, the the follow-up question that I would have is, you know, well, who is it for? And and, and what business uh, circumstances are you looking to solve or which 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 business problems are solvable um, with influencer marketing? And I, I feel like even just simply having those conversations and not assuming that influencer marketing is for everybody or it is best for everybody, like that is also where some magic is going to happen. So, you know, I'd love to ask you, like, just let's get as specific yeah. as possible. Like, what what problems do influencer marketing does influencer marketing solve you know if if you're a business out there and you want to achieve x y and z how is influencer marketing going to be helpful for you some brands have a perception problem that ends up causing problems i think with sales um with retention some brands are you needing a bit of a reposition especially brands that have been around for a long time I think influencers can really help reframe a brand's perception. I think influencers can do a really neat job launching a product that's a bit different. Um, One of our clients is a, a really cool kitchen appliance. And it's a premium, it's a mass premium product. It's customizable. And it just breaks the mold on what you think of with kitchen appliances. So we help them launch this line with a group of influencers who were experts in interior design and food styling and even fashion um, to make that connection again of the of those purposes and connect that and bring it to life. Um, I think brand perception is a big one. I think e-commerce is where social is headed. So therefore, that's where influencer is headed. I think a lot of these awesome direct-to-consumer brands can be absolutely huge and really make a business um, we're seeing it, even even brands like Away or Rothy's, um, there are brands that are built on social influencers driving sales in e-commerce. So I- Duncan has what you need to conquer the day. So if you want to go from, I don't got this, to, I got this, well, then get this. A bold, smooth espresso drink from Dunkin'. Like a layered velvety caramel macchiato, a rich chocolatey mocha latte, or a creamy non-dairy oat milk latte. Because this day isn't going to conquer itself. No, you're going to do that. Take a sip of You Got This with Dunkin' Espresso Drinks. Order ahead on the app plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. I think that's just a couple examples. Brand perception, e-commerce sales. Awareness to a certain degree, I think what I want to be careful about in all of our programs is you can buy impressions and reach anywhere. So I don't think if your goal from a marketing perspective is reach, I'd say there's easier ways and cheaper ways to do that. Way cheaper. And, you know, and that's the thing, too. I mean, if it is just awareness, 
Um, maybe it's a matter of just working with micro-influencers instead. Like if you're just looking for cool content that people can create, um, maybe micro-influencer is the way to go because, you know, they're going to still be creatives. Uh, they'll probably have a vibe that really fits your brand. Um, they'll be able to create that content for you, but then you're going to want to boost it and put some money behind it. Exactly. Um, but which is really what's going to get that reach out there. Um, but from a talent perspective and paying talent fees, it's going to be significantly less. So that could be an option, right? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I always recommend anybody do who's going down the marketing uh, influencer marketing path is put paid support behind the influencer's content. I actually think it is a really nice perk for the influencer, too, because these brands can afford to put significant investment behind getting your content to the market that you're already trying to reach. So I think influencers benefit by um, having someone really believe in their mission and putting them in front of a whole new set of people who also have those demographics, interests, and behaviors that they're already trying to reach. So I think everyone wins. Um, and of course, brands should repurpose this content too. It's so easy to think of influencers as just somebody who makes an Instagram post on their channels and that's the end of the day. No, there's so much more to it. I mean, influencers, like I said, can be upstream providing feedback and insights. They can be content creators. There's times where we've worked with influencers because of their look, uh, you know, the, the style of their content, the creative that they produce. And we actually aren't interested in their reach. We're interested in their, in their content. So kind of putting them in front of the camera, behind the camera, add experiences, and then, you know, picking their brain for their insights too. It's just so much more dynamic than just here's your Instagram post. Definitely. And with all of that listening, you know, listening to what they want to bring to the table and their ideas, um, listening to the results of the campaign, I feel like, you know, a lot of influencer marketing, you know, the the I don't know if it's the goal, but it certainly seems like the reality is that a lot of it seems to be done at scale. You know, they're working with tons of influencers. It's like throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what's yeah. And you know, I'm such a firm believer that things that are done well are not done quickly. Things that are done right. well are done with a lot of thought and a lot of um, analysis. And so, you know. I feel like there's so many instances that I've seen. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts too when, you know, a great campaign seems to be done, but I wonder what learnings are actually taken from it before moving on to the next. What are your experiences in that? I have to say, you know, I have a little framework. I think first, I think influencer measurement is tricky and I don't think anyone's totally nailed it yet because there is so much sort of human in it, if you will. But one of the, I think, most important points that I always reflect on at the end of each program is how fabulous was this person and her team, typically a her in my case, to work with. Um, if the person was difficult to work with or was always late on their assignments or was inflexible or posted things without you know, our lawyer approving it, we work with some pharma brands and it's a big, big deal legally if a post goes out before the lawyers have approved it. And I know that's frustrating. It takes a lot longer. Um, we also pay them for that time. But if a person is difficult to work with, I call it return on relationship, then A, I'm probably not going to work with you again, but I would call that a negative ROI. 
because we're burning so many hours and frustrating calls after hours, debates, everything is just like walking through mud. It's just difficult and it's just not a good fit. So I think that the influencers who are thinking about that, I mean, frankly, there's a few people that we work with as much as we can, if, if it's a fit, of course, because we just love working with them. We love their agent. We, you know, we have this awesome relationship. That is always who I will pick, even if their impressions are lower or their engagement's lower. Um, because to me, that's only part of the story. You know, what I'm trying to do here is garner some trust from the audience, of course, to the influencer, but also with the brand and the agency and that influencer as well. So that return on relationships is a big deal to me. Oh my gosh. I love that you have a, a, a phrase for it. Um, it's so accurate. I hope there are influencers more and more listening to this podcast because we actually say it fairly often on here. It's like sometimes it's like, guys, go back to basics. Like people want to work with people that they like, people yeah. that you know they can trust, like you were saying, people that are professional. Um, what might seem like a minor thing to you, it goes so far to somebody else. Else. Um, right. If you're working with, you know, 20 influencers in and, you know, 20 different management companies, some of them aren't even represented. I mean, the, you know, delivering something a day early, delivering something where all the hashtags are included, where you follow mm -hmm. instructions. Uh, how wonderful would it be to just receive a thank you note after a campaign is done or, you know, some extra, you know, hey, I, I mentioned it in my stories, um, you know, after because I just love the product so much. You know, I'm not saying to go, you know, deliver, you know, an extra video. I understand this is a right. business for everybody, but like a little extra. A little extra thing. though is amazing. And, you know, we at the agency, we're the middle person. So when we can tell our client, oh my gosh, this person loved you so much. They sent a few extra stories. They sent some behind the scenes video of that class that we had them do. Um, you know, they sent us a screenshot of all their friends who are sort of influencers. That stuff is what usually makes the client say, let's work with them next year. Let's do it again. Let's do something extra. Let's throw her a project. Um, and I have to say, shout out to the great management firms like yours and the, and the managers that for us makes a big difference too. We're starting to get to a point now that we've got some skill and a lot more going on in our team where we don't, we love to connect with people like you um, who we just know we love working with that agency. We work with DBA a lot, for example. We have a great few contacts there. We've got relationships with the managers and it's easier for us to just go to them and say, hey, would your roster be interested in this program? And then everyone wins there too. And we're going back to those same management firms because we know that they're professional. We trust them and they're fun to work with. And so talk to me a little bit about that, whether it's a management company that's listening or an influencer who's just simply not represented yet. You know, what are like three things that if they could incorporate that into their next campaign, that would be immensely helpful to a brand? What would those three things be? I think transparent communications, going a little bit above and beyond. And the one thing that I don't see a lot of people doing, a lot of influencers doing that I wish they did, is don't just take our brief literally. I know we can seem like a big scary agency or a big scary brand. Like, give us your ideas. 
tell us what you would want to do. Tell us what you're seeing about your audience that we should know and just don't know. Um, push it a little bit. Like, let's get on a call and brainstorm together. Let's bring the creatives in. Let's bring the clients in even maybe. Maybe you want to come out and meet with us. You know, sometimes we can even fund that to happen. But I would say whether you're represented or not, if you're an influencer, like push it. Let's brainstorm. I love that. Push it. Definitely push it. And, you know, it's it's a, it's just an opportunity that is at your feet. Um, it, it, it truly is, right? I mean, it's that's your moment to shine. And so why not seize it completely and take full advantage of it and really show what you're made of, you know? I mean, I, I'm sure you hear, I hear, um, you know, influencers say, you know, they don't listen or they don't this, they don't that. Like, oh, get over the negative. Like really take advantage of when those opportunities come your way um, because, you know, the experience and the work those two things coupled together are really going to, you know, to, to really communicate how incredible you are to work with. Um, it's, it's those two. And if you could just like hit it out of the park, um, really show that you're like equally professional, but also unique and inventive and yeah, a creative partner, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that nobody wants a one post stand, if you will. Like, in advertising, we would never run an ad one time to one audience with one piece of creative. We would never do that in one channel. So influencer marketing is no different. So anytime an influencer can say, hey, what if we did an Instagram TV and I'm going to this other thing and what if I incorporated you here? Or if I, you know, what if we did this thing? What if we did it for three months instead of one month? Like that's exactly how we want to think sometimes we can't afford to do all those things but you'd be surprised advertising is like a crazy amazing world where we just we create things and we, we have this awesome rare bizarro job where we get to use our creativity to again solve business problems and, and make these brands be more successful anything is on the table like nothing is too wild so propose it. I love that. And what about people, you know, who are more in your shoes, not influencers, not managers, but people who are at agencies? Like, what have you learned from working at an, uh, such a great agency like FCB? Like, what advice would you give to somebody um, who, you know, wants to say, like, how do I do my job better? Maybe I'm at a smaller agency. Maybe I'm at a brand direct. Like, what have you learned along the way that really makes your work better? Okay. So this is like, a passion topic of mine. I could probably talk about this all day. Um, I'll give you like a little snapshot too. So we haven't really talked about this yet. I don't come from advertising. Most people are surprised to learn that I have a finance degree. I started my career working in commercial banking for five years. I was never fulfilled. I was, I was almost like stressed out out of boredom, which sounds really strange. And during that time is when I started my blog. I just kept hearing that people weren't loving life and I wanted to do something about it. So my point in telling you first is this industry is new. So if you're a pioneer, you love hanging out in the wild west, maybe you're listening to this working in a bank or some other place that's not filling your soul anymore. There is a place for you in advertising and there is a place for you in influencer marketing. 
when I started here five years ago, it was the day before my 30th birthday. It was my first director role. I had never worked at a big agency. I came from a small 50 person agency and I had a failed startup agency as well. So I was like, this was a big job for me. This was a big deal. I was nervous. Um, and this place stressed me out a little bit at first. Everyone was so smart and accomplished and it was intimidating for me. Fast forward, I think that I would tell anybody in a corporate role a couple of things. One, absolutely be yourself, whatever that is, even if it's scary, even if you don't get to be that person, maybe even at family parties or whatever, be your absolute full self. It just makes everything easier and it takes that layer of anxiety away. Number two, I'm a big fan of being an entrepreneur, which is where you act like an entrepreneur in a large organization. So um, I started this influencer practice with two other gals at the agency the week that I came back from my first maternity leave, which was also my first week where I was promoted into a VP as a new mom. You know, it was a little scary. They're like, okay, you're going to do this. Here's your partners. And you have to make this much money this year. And I was like, oh my God, like what? If you start thinking like it's your own business, it becomes this amazing creative challenge where you get to, of course, have a great idea, but then figure out how to scale it and make it profitable. And it is so much more fun than just working for a company. And you have some ownership and you get to do it in your way. Um, and you get to serve the clients in a way that's really aligned with who you are as a human being. And that's when you get to have fun. Um, now, you know, again, five years in, I have two kids and a lot of people ask, not necessarily people here, but people in my personal life would be like, are you still going to work or are you going to go part time or are you going to flex? And no, I'm not because I love what I do. I love the team that I've built, the business that I've built. But I also have worked with my leaders here to tell them exactly who I am, where I see my career going, and what I need to stay employed in this capacity. So I'm a big fan of work-life integration, um, whether that's running to a nail appointment at lunch, leaving early to take your kid to the doctor, um, occasionally needing to just work from home so you can really focus on doing that thought work that you need to do, and taking care of yourself outside of work. Um, I'm not here as long in the office as I used to be. And I'm actually a lot more efficient and direct because of it. So I think your career is actually a lot more in your hands than you think it is. But I find, especially with women, most women were too afraid to ask for what they need or just live their truth. Um, I told my boss the other day, um, I'm not going to tell you anymore the days where I'm coming in a little bit late because of something happening at home in the morning, because maybe there's a chance I've already been writing decks at four or five in the morning to get through what I need to get through. And he has empowered me to run my business the way it needs to be run. But I also asked for it and I perform. So I think a lot of us have a more flexibility than we realize. Um, but it really starts with being true to yourself and, and asking for what you need. I mean, 
we can just end the podcast there. <laughs> we can, well, we can end the podcast there because I was so moved by what you said, but we can also have like a whole other episode on this entire topic because I feel sure. like it's so, I mean, there's so much to say. Um, I love that philosophy. I think that it's incredible to be able to first also inspire women to say, you know, just because you didn't start out, you know, with a degree in advertising or, you know, all of this experience behind you um, to know that, you know, you're capable and to know that like you bring something unique to the table um, and that's certainly not to be underestimated and simply asking for things, putting it out there, you know, knowing your value and your worth um, can go such a long way. Um, you know, no one's going to open doors for you. You have to open them yourself. And, you know, seeing what you've done, I'm sure so inspiring to people listening to this podcast. Um, and, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, people wouldn't just be, you know, really motivated by everything that you just said. Um, there's so much truth to it. And again, like sometimes it's just going back to basics. Like, well, look within yourself versus, you know, looking for all of this um, permission um, from other people. It's like, what do I have to bring to the table? You know, what what value do I have here? What ideas do I have here? Um, and absolutely about work-life balance and, you know, just – but I love what you said. I think the key to that piece is, you know, work-life balance, sure, but – I can I can show you all of everything that I've produced at the end of the day. Like I can absolutely justify this and show you that there's absolutely a return on all of my my time because you know this is just how I work best. Yeah, um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think one more interesting confession for you, Jesse, is living this kind of crazy story. Really has made me become kind of curious about how I might share this message with the world. Like I do miss being a blogger sometimes. I miss parts of being a blogger, but every day I miss empowering other women and those conversations that I would have with women about their careers while I was a blogger. So I do feel like a new chapter is starting to emerge. I feel like it's like my third baby brewing, but it's like a blog baby or something. Not a blog. <laughs> I don't want to be a blogger again, but I wish more women would believe in themselves to create their own career and sort of curate their career over the chapter of their lives. Um, so I, I am working on a passion project um, to share some of my stories and encouragement and just that coaching that I think so many women need to be in flow with their career. And when you're, when you're aligned, you're just so much more successful too. So stay tuned for that. Who knows? Maybe someday I'll need representation, Jesse, and I will call you first if that's the case. I mean, I would love to represent you because you know why? And I'm not even like I'm not even being sarcastic. I I feel like when we first met, like you're just one of these people that is just so confident. You exude such confidence, but also such humility. And I feel like that is what is such a like really incredible blend when you meet people who who encompass both of those things. Like those 
are people that I've always seen be incredibly successful. Um, you know, it's just, it's such a sweet spot. And I've certainly, like the moment that we started planning this event for Wim like a year ago, and I was like, there's just something really special here. And, you know, just hearing more about your story and hearing about, you know, how even just Wim resonates so much with you because a lot of our mission seems aligned with a lot of your core values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely have picked up on that. I so wanted you on the podcast for all of those reasons and more. And I'm just excited to see what's next for you. Thank I, you. 100%. Yeah, you too. Yeah. I only see like the first few stairs of the staircase, but I am on a staircase. So mm-hmm. I am so curious how it's all going to work out too. A hundred percent. A smile, a huge smile is on my face because I'm so excited for you. Um, and we ask everybody this on the podcast, so I'm extra excited to ask you, what do you wish, Nicole, that someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? To be yourself, to be a hundred percent yourself on the good days, the bad days. Don't don't please people. Don't try to get that finance degree because you think it's safe and secure and you'll be viewed as smart. Just be who you are. Um, pink, pink shoes, pink hair, whatever it is for me. I love, you know, my pink and purple. Be yourself. It's just so much easier. It's so much easier. Uh, it is. And like all the, there's just so much energy that it takes to live this life. And so, you know, wouldn't it be ideal? <clears throat> wouldn't it be ideal to just, you know, put all that energy towards the right things versus, you know, the wrong things? And certainly some of the wrong things could be trying to be somebody else. Right. Yeah, 100%. I'm so happy you could join us on the podcast today. I have a huge feeling that people listening are definitely going to want to get in touch with you. Um, I have a feeling that everybody listening today is going to want to get in touch with you. So where can they find you? What's the best way to get in touch? Connect with me on Instagram. I'm underscore Nicole Emmerich, N-I-C-O-L-E, Emmerich, E-M-E-R-I-C-K. Amazing. Thank you so much for being Thank on the podcast. Thank you for having today. me. Keep doing the amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. You spend the first hour of your vacation at the luggage carousel thinking there's nowhere to go but up. But there is a place to go but up. Because when you open your suitcase, you find it filled with dolls. Dolls like the ones in that movie that scared you so much you wet your girlfriend's bed. Ah, Marissa, the one that got away. You return the bag to the airport with relief. It lasts until you get back to your room, where a fallen doll waits to greet you. Don't let a suitcase full of dolls ruin your vacation. Go on a real vacation. GoRVing.com. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.